1: Well, today I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week. Also, in a few minutes, we will be joined by our friend of the show, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine, and later in the show, by our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post Sports Department. Well, welcome to what I consider the best weekend in all of sports, NFL divisional Weekend, with four games, all of which you can get. Very excited about this weekend and every year, it seems. I will have the good fortune to attend the Patriots-Texans game at nearby Gillette Stadium, 20 minutes from where I'm speaking to you from right now. And one thing I know for sure, it will not be another blowout like the one a few weeks ago when the Patriots smoked the Texans 42-14 on Monday Uh, On the Monday night game. Uh, I was in the stadium a couple years ago when the Patriots beat the Jets on a Monday night game, 45-3. to We all remember it well. And we also remember a few weeks later the Jets come into Gillette Stadium in the playoffs and beat the Patriots. So nobody up here in Boston is taking anything for granted uh, based on blowing out the Texans a few weeks back. If this, if the Texans have any pride whatsoever, they show up and make it at least competitive. Uh, although, you know, the fact they have tumbled from all season long being the number one seed down to, uh, you know, the number three seed playing on wild card weekend, losing at home to Minnesota when they could have clinched, Home field, losing on the road Indianapolis when they could have clinched home field, uh, doesn't bode well. Nonetheless, I think they're gonna at least, uh, show themselves to be competitive. If not, if they get blown out again, uh, goodbye to the Texans. They'll just show that they're a pretender. And that's that. Well, my highlight of the week was the return of hockey. And after the NBA starting on Christmas Day last year, I I think I'm starting to like these late starts, since I think the uh, regular season is basically meaningless in both sports, since all good and some bad teams make the playoffs. Now we have a short season where the games will actually matter, and before we know it, the Stanley Cup playoffs, for my money, the best thing in all of sports, will be here and we'll be uh, enjoying them, so... You know, uh, these lockouts might not be such a bad thing after all. <coughs> Excuse me. i got the flu that's ripping around Boston and throughout the United States. My low light of the week is having another awful BCS title game. I have no allegiance to either team. the desire like millions of other Americans to settle in for a good game, and none was ever more hyped than this one, and this was just one of the worst ever, this was the worst ever in my book, because it was over in literally less than 10 minutes, and it reminds me of, you know, a lot of how the Super Bowls used to be, Uh, there was a a lengthy period where uh, they were always lopsided and obviously disappointing viewing and back in the day it was attributed you know to the two week layoff the hype the distractions whatever etc but the NFL teams you know finally got the hang of it uh got acclimated and and now you know i think we consistently get a fairly competitive game in the super bowl and it's something we can count on more more importantly these teams having, you know, five to six weeks off is just absolutely ridiculous. I don't care what team it favors, what team it doesn't favor. Again, just want to see some good football with the championship on the line. So I only hope that the new BCS playoff system uh, will eliminate this awful situation. My bizarre story of the week is the RG3 injury mess You know, everybody's getting questioned here. Shanahan, doctors, RG3 himself. In my mind, all three acted exactly like they're trained to act. And the real culprit is the absurd, dangerous turf at FedEx Field. We've seen these situations before at Heinz Field in Pittsburgh. Back in the day, not that long ago, six, eight years ago at Gillette. Uh, Trust me. I remember vividly when they had to uh, install field turf during a bye week for a playoff game. It is time, very simply, for the NFL to mandate field turf in every stadium. Uh, Daniel Snyder, who may be a lot of things, but he's not somebody who I see as cheaping out. You know, I don't know why he's sticking with this natural grass, but... uh, or dirt, grass is the wrong term, dirt, whatever. Um, shale, we'll call it, and pebbles. But, uh, basically it's, uh, RG3, when I look at him or, or at Andrew Luck or Russell Wilson, you know, I don't even look at them that much as like a Washington Redskin asset. They are an NFL asset. The NFL has to be ecstatic. How these three have burst onto the scene along with many other rookies at the time when Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, who I think the whole nation is rooting to watch a week from Sunday in the AFC championship game, by the way, one more time, but as they're, you know, and later in their careers to be kind, um, you you know, and here comes this new, uh, new group of quarterbacks who obviously have an instant impact. Uh, You know, Russell Wilson's playing on Saturday, Sunday. Need we say more? So, um, the NFL, again, this is a league thing. This is not a team thing anymore. They have to just simply mandate field turf in every, every stadium. And I say that for the simple reason uh, that just about every other stadium in America, including three high school stadiums, within 10 minutes of my house, which I frequent often, all have beautiful field turf. I've run on it. I've walked on it. I've kicked field goals on it. I've had fun. And I um, go to these high school tracks a lot for both games wow. and exercise. And they're fabulous. They're fabulous. And uh, so it's time, like I said, for the NFL to uh, mandate it for every team. You know, safety number one. It looks much nicer on television, which is very important. And there's a whole host of reasons. To the best of my knowledge, it's fairly cheap. I don't think high school stadiums and just about every college in America would have them if they weren't relatively manageable, not that money is any object for the NFL. So it's time, last Sunday, you know, to think that, you know, worst case that RG3's career could somehow be affected by what I consider the guilty party, the turf. Uh, is just awful. And, oh, by the way, uh key player for the Seahawks was injured on the same turf in the same game this past Sunday. He's done for the year, so need I say more? My event of the week that I attended was last Saturday's U.S. Army All-American Bowl in San Antonio, which was televised on NBC. Perfect way to lead into the wild-card playoff weekend. And as my loyal listeners know, uh, it's my second year in a row working for the organizers of the U.S. Army All-American Bowl. This was uh, the best best one yet uh, I think they've ever done. I think it's their 12th year. There was, number one, a record crowd in the Alamo Dome. Uh, excellent facility, by the way. Uh, 40,000. They topped the 40,000 mark for the first time, so that was great. There's... Of that 40,000, thousands of them, an entire section of the stadium, maybe uh, one-sixth of it, so to speak, is soldiers from Lackland Air Force Base nearby. Military City, USA, by the way, is the nickname of San Antonio. And it's the U.S. Army All-American Bowl, so they're there. It's just spectacular. And you also see the likes of, you know, David Robinson, the Navy basketball hall of famer who lives in san antonio obviously uh fabulous for the spurs a champion his son cory split end wide receiver played in the game he's a high school all america about six foot five committed to notre dame uh so david robinson was in the house and after the game could not have been more friendly in signing autographs for any and all who cared to uh, ask and taking pictures as well Prior to the game, during the game, military pageantry, very similar to the Army-Navy game that I attended only a month ago down in Philadelphia. Um, you know, the soldiers are doing cheers. Part of this U.S. Army All-American Bowl is, in, in addition, there's a high school band All-America group there. So they're playing, and it is just really, really spectacular. Another really cool thing, uh, these are the top 90 high school players in America. They are committing on national TV right there in the stadium. Some of the players who have played in this game, by the way, are uh A.J. McCarron. Let's start with him, but uh given the week he's had, uh, but, you know, Andrew Luck, Adrian Peterson, Patrick Peterson, and on and on and on. This year, perhaps the best running back, uh, a national record breaker, Derrick Henry, committed to Alabama. So anyway, some of these high school players commit right there by putting on the hat with maybe three hats lined up in front of them and tapping right inside the Alamo Dome, right on the field. It's really cool. Adds a lot. NBC loves it. People in the house in the Alamo Dome enjoy it. But you know, it's, it's, a, it's a whole week and I was out there for nine days. It's not just get you the U.S. Army All-American Bowl. Uh, there's a lot more to it, and by that I mean there's uh basically what's called a division of All-American Games, who is the organization that both brings me in as well as puts on the All-American Bowl and all the other games. Uh, part, of, part of that uh, organization is Football University, and they have a lot of other games, um such as the eighth-grade national championship for the second year, the seventh-grade national championship for the first year ever. And when I say that, it's a national tournament, I think very similar to, like, Williamsport in Little League Baseball. And, uh, you know, it's, again, just spectacular. So there's, again, for the second year, we now have an eighth-grade national championship. First year, seventh-grade national championship. And this year they added the first ever international bowl games, which brought in teams from the United States, Europe, Mexico, and Canada. It was great. In addition, there is also what's called the East Bay All-Star Youth All-American Bowl. There's a couple of those games. These are like, uh, again, all pretty much all teenagers. And that's excellent as well. So, again, uh, I covered literally 10 games, meaning I wrote the game story, for uh, 10 games in a period of three days or pretty much about 50 hours from about uh, 2 p.m. early afternoon on Friday to early evening on Sunday. You talk nonstop football. I attended 11 games and uh, covered 10 of them. The one I didn't cover was – The U.S. Army All-American Bowl itself, I was there, but there was plenty of coverage. The press box was filled, media from across the country slash world, fabulous event. So all in all, uh, just a fabulous week out in San Antonio, fabulous weekend covering football, literally nonstop. So uh, terrific again, and uh, now it's time, as my former co-host, Limon Williams from Outside the Huddle, likes to say, Time to pay some bills, so let's take our break. Next up will be friend of the show, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine.
0: Your internet flagship station for sports, VoiceMark is sports
2: America Sports.
0: The job of a professional athlete is never complete. Back to the show.
1: Voice of America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports, and I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when we typically have guests and on the line with us as friend of the show, A.P. Studham of Bama Magazine, and... Welcome, AP. Thank you for joining us today. Oh, glad to be here, John, as always. Well, AP, uh, I'm watching the national championship, the end of it. They come to the post game, and who do I see on TV as part of a group interviewing Barrett Jones, the Alabama center? Then you, and uh, let me tell you, AP, I, I'm sure you've heard it, been hearing it all week. You got some serious airtime. You were on literally the center of the television... For a solid two minutes, that's no exaggeration. A lot of it had to do with the fact that Barrett-Jones, one of the stars of the game, had also had the fourth quarter dust-up with A.J. McCarron, so everybody was dying to hear what he had to say, including ESPN, and there you were. I give you, as a fellow media member, I give you a lot of credit for really putting yourself in position. You were, like, right there. It was great. I loved it.
3: Yeah, John. I, I hate that people had to suffer through that two or three minutes with, with my face on the TV.
1: But I had to incorporate some of my basketball skills to get positioned and block out. I'll bet you did. I'll bet you did. Throw your weight around a little bit. You have to. I've been in many a scrum, and I know how that works. Trust me. But again, you were uh, you were again front and center with the man. Literally, one of the two most desirable interviews, meaning him and McCarran. Possible within one to two minutes after the you know game ended, and you were just right there. And I, again, I, I I know what that takes, and uh, that, that that must have been, again, you, you know, just very exciting. I mean, one of the top players in the country, and you know, uh, he 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 and McCarron were at that moment in time, the the news hook, shall we say?
3: Yeah, Barrett's a special kind of uh, student athlete. I don't know if he'll they will be that type coming through Alabama again. You know, he's the most decorated offensive lineman in the history of the school. He won the Outland Trophy last year and the Remington Award this year uh, playing center for the first time. And yeah, Barrett was talking about Alabama and, and how they kind of created a little bit of a dynasty, a little mini dynasty. And I always tell people that, you know, Alabama's been a dynasty since that Rose Bowl team of, you know, 26, uh, and they've had championships for eight different decades out of the last ten and there's no there's only one school that can make that claim and it it's in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. But but Barrett's a fantastic player and he'll he'll be a fine pro, uh, because of his versatility and he's an excellent team player and someone you want in your organization.
1: Well, I, I know he, he almost in so many ways is too good to be true. Again, he's just, uh, he's everything you want in an athlete, in a student athlete. And frankly, I'm going to be truthful with you. I loved what he did when McCarron got in his face. I mean, there they are with a 42 14 lead. And you know, he's the captain of the offensive line. So this he you know, he's the quarterback of the line and he just showed himself to be his own man. And I just, when he shoved, mccarran who i thought was just slightly out of line i know he's the field general i get it (laughs) (laughs) i loved it i I, it was just you know my reaction was my reaction i just said this is great and i know they were the big brother little brother and the little brother got too close to the big brother and he
3: just had to to put him in his place and they they needed each other you know barrett's using the smartest person in the room and and uh, he said in that interview he he was right and he, he probably was but but AJ's an emotional player and he's trying to lead the team and but they're all,
1: it was all good and they they hugged after the game and and they're great teammates yes and and if uh, i'm aware that they're uh you know roommates on the road together and again uh i just thought you know and i like AJ McCarron, too i, I don't really have any Dispute with what either did. They were both doing what they thought, you know, needed to be done. You just, you know, the score didn't matter. They they were running a play. They wanted to get it right. And then that's just how they go about their business. That's why they've won three out of the last four national championships down there. And, uh, but I just thought, you know, I couldn't help but think Barrett Jones, uh, you, you know, struck a blow for offensive linemen everywhere. <laughs> yeah. you know, that is not, well, again, like A.J. McCarron. I'm not downing him. I, I liked, I just thought it was great, and they did. They hugged it out, figured it out. You know, anybody with a brother or a sister, a sibling knows, you know, these things happen.
3: Yeah, yeah it sure does. Yeah, no animosity there, just a the no. kind of heat of the battle. And uh, I,
1: I wish they had a chance to play 10 more years together. Oh, I know. I know. Um, so let me ask you, what was it like to be there? I mean, we, we know what happened. I start off the show saying how disappointing, you know, for it to be a bad game from an objective standpoint. But leading into the kickoff, and I, you know, I, I mean, it had to be among sort of the most exciting moments you've experienced. Is that accurate at, at the point of, you know, teams coming out on the field, you know, the anticipation?
3: Yes, John, because, I mean, Notre Dame is the number one team in the nation uh, in scoring defense, and Alabama's right near the top as well. I think Alabama ended up the top defense, and there was that great anticipation of, of Barrett Jones and company facing that uh, vaunted front seven of Notre Dame. Yep. But, uh, but after the first drive, John, I, I just got a sense that, the front seven of Notre Dame was not as good as advertising, and I didn't have to see much more. I just thought they drove that ball eighty yards or so, and um the route was on i mean really, I didn't think they would be able to come back uh from fourteen points remember mine twenty one and twenty eight and thirty five
1: exactly and again, you know from a objective standpoint, so disappointing, but for you uh working for bama magazine the, the, you know you're in yet a, you're in a golden age. I mean, for you, you know, I've had the good fortune to cover the Steelers, the Steel Curtain era. That's how I began my career. And here I am now covering, you know, the Patriots from, you know, mm-hmm. 20 minutes away from where I live. And, uh, and here you are covering what is, you know, really one of the great dynasties in the history of college football unfolding right before us with a lot of upside the way way I see it.
3: Yeah, John, I tried to soak in every minute that I could. I tried to speak to all the people from Alabama past and present, and I I can't imagine them having a better uh, four years than this past uh, four years, because unless they won four straight, I mean, which is that's like the unthinkable for me, but You know, they have so many good players going to the NFL, and there's very little fanfare off the field with with the teammates. They had to send two freshmen home, but that's a rare case. So, you know, excellent football playing, and Saban is a tremendous coach. Very few coaches across the country can have duplicated his program, and I don't see – you know, I see Alabama being there all the time. I've told you this many times. There's many coaches who can recruit players, but Nick Saban, he can develop them. If they come in as a five-star, they're going to leave a five-star or better, you know, five-star. Plus, they're a three-star player. They might jump to that four- or five-star range after a while. That's the difference, I believe, in Nick Saban and other coaches in the Alabama program at this stage uh, in college football.
1: Well, and I understand that perfectly, AP, because last Saturday afternoon, as I was telling our listeners earlier, I was at the U.S. Army All American Bowl where I was watching Derek Henry, <laughs> uh, the record breaking running back from Yulee, Florida. I think he holds the national uh, rushing record, if I'm not mistaken, but he certainly broke Emmett Smith's uh, Florida rushing record. Anyway, uh, you know, he's special. I mean, I, I, just like you said, you only need to see one drive on Monday night to know. Alabama was going to win that game, and they were going to dominate. I only needed to see Derrick Henry make a couple of runs to say he's special, and he's going to Alabama. As yeah, are many other, I as mean, were many, yeah, many the other players. Yeah,
3: the rich keeps getting richer. Uh, Eddie Lacy, he, I don't know if he announced it, but, you know he, he probably will leave Alabama. They, they just he announced he needs to because there's only so much tread on a running on a running back, and you know T.J. Yes, and uh, I mean T.J. Yeltsin will step right in. He's the first freshman. To you know, be the MVP of the A-Day game before he played down a college ball. First freshman to debut with 100, over 100 yards against Michigan. First freshman to gain a thousand yards, and he's the first person to be part of a 1,000-yard uh, duo duo at Alabama. At least he had a thousand and, and Yeldon. So he set all kind of records in just his first year. So there, there's there's plenty of talent. You know, and Fowler, a big running back, was injured, and D Harder, a scout back from Orlando. They were both injured this year. They're coming back, and then Henry. So there's a, a stable of running backs uh, if Lacey doesn't get back there, and Alabama should be good for a long time.
1: Right. And that's why I bring up uh, Derrick Henry is because I watched in last year's U.S. Army All American Bowl TJ Yeldon, and there all of a sudden, you know, so I watch him. He's great. Next thing I know, he's on national TV ripping it up for Alabama. And then here comes Henry, much more heralded than even Yeldon was. Yeah. And you know, and he he is a big, fast back. He's big. I'm six three, two forty five. <laughs> and he is, uh, you know, he, he's much more along the lines of you know, Ingram, Trent Richardson, and Eddie Lacy. Like, you know, he's yeah. a big back. And uh,
3: yeah, maybe a big, powerful Eric Dickerson or something like that.
1: Well, exactly, exactly, and uh, yeah, so it's, it's just amazing, and by the way, within the past hour, uh, Eddie Lacy and a couple of others have announced they are indeed going to the NFL. Nick Saban actually announced it, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so you and I will probably see each other again at this year's NFL draft, where it will be another dominant Alabama presence in, in just a few short months.
3: Yeah, D.J. Fluker, I'm sure, it's probably one of the other ones that announced, and maybe D. Miller as well, the cornerback for Alabama. Uh, those are all fine football players who contributed, you know, in two or three years. Uh, D.J. Odd Solomon is a young player, and he put on the defensive line uh, early in his career in high school and then shifted to the offensive line. He's a powerful blocker, emotional fellow, uh, likes to be a leader and another good teammate to, to have
1: uh when the going gets tough. Wow. Again, the rich get richer. It's uh you know, you know, I have to ask you is is this among your career highlights covering this team up close like you have been?
3: You know, John, I I really do because and it's the fact that they defeated Notre Dame, there was that long history of about uh, 40 years or so where Alabama had lost to them in the sugar bowl by a one point, And then the next year in the orange bowl by two points. And that yep. stuck in the craw of the Alabama folks all this time. And I wrote that for some people Monday night, uh, uh, from Alabama, it was a religious experience. It was an exorcism that took place, uh, casting aside the, those one and two point losses. I, and I'm not talking about the uh, regular season losses, uh, in the eighties, but those two bowl games. If you ask any Alabama fan what has stung the most through the, through the glorious history, it's been those two games where they had a chance to uh, win you know, unanimous national championships.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, AP, you know, good for you that you are covering one of college football's greatest dynasties ever. We can all now easily say that. And as also you and I very well recognized, enjoy it while it lasts. These things don't last forever, and sometimes they come to an abrupt end. There's no reason to believe that's going to happen here. In fact, it just seems like, uh, you know, we're in the middle of it, not in, not anywhere near the end of it, it's just no, in the yes, middle of yes. it.
3: Yes, Saban and his wife, they seem to be enjoying the college scene. They're very involved with the community and helping the less fortunate and, and students and, and families from the tornado. And they they really liked to see young men
1: grow. Yes, and I'm just going to say that, you know, for me to close it out, that, you know, Nick Saban grew up in West Virginia, rural West Virginia, near where I worked at a newspaper for three years as the news editor. So I know the area very well, and... uh those are his roots, and the area is, I'm sure, pretty similar to Tuscaloosa, Alabama. So I think he's probably found a comfort zone there, unlike Miami and South Beach, shall we say, a couple of years back.
3: I think so. He enjoyed his return, and he uh, quelled all the you know, firestorm down there early. Before he got down to Miami, he was on a radio show down there. So um, it was a triumphant return for Nick Saban, and I think he's put that chapter behind him now, being a uh, coach with the Dolphins. But, uh, John, I ran into one of his childhood friends on the sidelines, Senator Manchin of West Virginia,
1: and they grew up together. He, he thinks a lot of Nick. And I know him, Senator Manchin. He was he was like a town politician where I worked. Uh, <laughs> how weird is that? Oh, that's, James that's Ma- James that's Manchin, really yes. James Manchin is, yes, He he was a local politician. When I worked at the newspaper, and now where I, I see where he has risen to the high, highest, highest of heights, and I'm loving it, again. And uh, so, yeah, wow, what a small world, huh?
3: Yeah, they stick together in West Virginia.
1: Indeed, they do, and they do in Alabama. I'm looking right at ESPN. Alabama running back Eddie Lacy, quarterback D. Milner, announced intentions intentions to enter 2013 NFL Draft. Mm-hmm. AP. You and I will be there to see it, right? Oh, we sure will. Yeah, it'll be quite a, another Alabama infomercial,
3: maybe. I don't
1: know. You and I will be at Radio City, and uh, for the NFL Draft, and again, it'll be heavy Alabama. So, once again, great insights. We feel very fortunate here at the show to have, you know, someone uh, of your stature covering again a college football dynasty, taking time out of your busy schedule and. Really the past two seasons to talk about again, one of the great teams in college football history. And and you have a ringside seat for all of it. It's wonderful for, for us, for you and for our listeners.
3: I'm very fortunate, John, your most gracious host and I'm glad to do it at any time.
1: Terrific. AP. Well, I'm sure we'll be talking again soon. And, uh, once again, thank you for your great analysis and insight and, uh, color right from the field and uh i'm sure we'll talk soon okay John. thank you very much i sure have enjoyed it all right and with that said time for our break and on the other side will be barry rubenstein of the new york post
0: your internet flagship station for sports voice america sports
2: Every Wednesday, you'll want to talk sports with touchdown Tony Collins and his co-host Bill Mattis. Tony's broken records and has been to the Pro Bowl and the Super Bowl. We'll talk about what's happening in sports every week with news, action, and notable guests from all aspects of the sports world. We'll also involve you by discussing questions and topics of interest sent in via email from listeners all over the world. Become what you believe. Tune in to Sports Talk with Touchdown Tony Collins. Wednesdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Sports.
0: Do you feel the need for speed? Whatever your addiction, NASCAR, IndyCar, NHRA, Formula One, or even LaVa Olympics, Pit Pass USA is got Larry Henry here, host of Pit Pass USA. I put my 30-plus years of being a motorsports broadcaster to work to bring you not only the best guests, but also the most interesting guests in racing. Fit Pass USA with Larry Hibbert, your front row seat to the world of racing, Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Sports Channel. Be there or get a DNF.
2: Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel.
1: America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports, and to join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. On the line with us now is our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post Sports Department, and welcome, Barry, and as I said at the top of the show, this is my favorite weekend of the year in sports, the four divisional playoff games.
4: It's, it's great. You know, it is, it is, it is a great time if you're, if you're an NFL fan and because, you know, you have the wild card weekend and you kind of, you know, eliminate, you know, some of the teams that, you know, kind of got in by the skin of their teeth. And now you've got, you know, you got the big boys on the field. You've got the top seeds, you got the, the teams that had buys in the first round. Now we get to see them in action. And, uh, yeah, I, I agree. It should be a really, really fun weekend for the, for NFL fans.
1: Exactly. Yes. We've kind of, uh, weeded out, you know, potential pretenders. But yeah, these are the best eight teams in football and you have your four bye week teams rested and ready. And it just, uh, there's just really nothing like it. I mean, all the games feel big, seem big and hopefully are big. Uh, wild card weekend. I mean, let's face it. It was disappointing as far as if, if you like drama and that's what I like. Uh, the, none of the games were really too interesting except for the final game, which is the one that personally I was most excited about. And I think the country was too, obviously Washington, Seattle, but a lot of that drama I felt obviously got overshadowed with rg 3s injury. So it didn't feel dramatic. It frankly just felt sad.
4: Yeah, I agree with that because, you know, I mean, he's been such an amazing story this year and that was, that was so, you know. That was really hard to watch him, him go down the way he did, and you know, I really do think the kid's a warrior. I think he's a tough kid, and I think, you know, uh, Shanahan came under a lot of heat this week, and you know, I don't know if it's all totally deserved. I mean, I think some, some of it is, but you know, when you have a quarterback that says, you know, I'm okay. The doctors say, hey, he's okay to play. You know, it's, 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 I think it's really hard to really come down to the coach that much. Uh, considering what was at stake, you know, you know, when you, have got it, when you've got doctors and the player telling you, you said, that, hey, I'm fine, hey, I can play. Well, you know, you gotta make, you gotta make decisions, you know, them home. You, you know, you don't have time to, well, let's think about this because, you know, you got, you got one game and, you know, you're, you, you, you know, take that time to think about it. Your, your opportunity is lost. So, it, you know, I, I kind of think some of the criticism towards Shanahan was maybe may unfounded, but, you know, as it turned out, you know, he, he and he was banged up, a, but rg three's a tough kid. He wanted to play, obviously. And, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, the, these injuries he suffered, uh, you know, all indications are he'll be fine by the start of training camp. So, you know, let's hope he retains his full health, and let's hope that he, uh, he's as fun to watch uh, next year as was this year.
1: Yeah, well, I blamed it on the turf. I thought the criticism was ridiculous. Everybody was doing what yeah. they felt they should be doing. RG3, the doctors, and Shanahan – they all wanted him out there, and he wanted to be out there, and that's what happened, and you take that risk. But to me, and what I said at the beginning of the show was uh the turf was dangerous, and it is high time that the NFL simply mandate that every team in the NFL have field turf, like the three high school football stadiums that are within 10 minutes of my house that all have beautiful, spectacular field turf that I go – Running and playing on all the time. It's just absurd. That would, that would make sense.
4: I, I, yeah. I, I agree with you. I think, and, and, you know, plus two, it would, it would ensure a, a uniformity around the league. Uh, you know, you make eliminate point. some of these, uh, home field advantages, maybe, but, you know, you talking about, you know, the NFL is always talking about player safety, right? So, you know, this would be, right. uh, a really, that's, that's, I think it's a great idea. I think it would be a really good, solid move toward, uh, player safety and, 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 you know, Leveling the playing field, uh, no pun intended. But, uh, yeah, I, I, agree with you. I, I think, I think it's high time for that because especially now, you have, you know, one, one of the leagues, you know, bright young stars, you know, basically going down because, you know, the, the field is uh, a big reason why. So sure. So oh. I, I, I endorse that wholeheartedly. I think it's a great idea. I think we should, uh, start pounding the drum for that.
1: Yes, and I think it could be, you know, again, just the trigger. Uh, some, unfortunately, you know, you, despite the fact we've had horrible fields and from Heinz field to Gillette stadium in the past, uh, it unfortunately takes, you know, uh, an incident like this high profile, whatever to trigger change. And uh, I would think that the NFL who's very smart and acts quickly when it, uh, feels strongly strong about something will probably do that. It's just absurd that <laughs> it hasn't been done yet. And, uh, God knows what we're going to see in San Francisco tomorrow night. That I have no idea what the weather is, but you know that field has uh, had its issues as well. So we shall we shall see. But uh, yeah, and oh, by the way, just to close it out, you know, one of Seattle's best players also got injured on that turf last Sunday, so he's out for the rest of the year. So it's ridiculous. Yep, I I agree. I think it's
4: high time they do something. I I, I agree with that. You know, part of me. Kind of times back for the for, for the old days, you know, when you watch the old NFL films, uh, uh, the chronicles of you know games back in the fifties and sixties when they played in mud and you know, oh you sure, tell any, you couldn't tell the players you know each team from each other because of all the mud. But you know times have changed. Obviously, you know you have uh, you know a lot less teams playing in multi-purpose stadiums now. You have more uh, more teams playing in football stadiums, more teams using the field turf. So you know I, I, I think those days are gone. But you know again. Uh, so, if you're talking about player safety, I think it would be a real, real positive step for the league to uh, to make a statement like that and just uh, make, make the same type of field mandatory at uh, at every stadium in the league.
1: Yeah, I mean that was nothing but paint, or but excuse me, dirt and rocks yeah. painted green. Right. And I was on the field at Gillette Stadium, you know, a half an hour before kickoff for the 49ers-Patriots game a couple Sunday nights ago. And granted, we're never going to have, you know, Alex Karras covered, covered head-to-toe in mud from the 1960s. But, you know, just watching that game in person, later looking at the, uh, you know, the DVR that uh, that I had here at home. Uh, you know, again, it's not Alex Karras head-to-toe in mud. But, you know, we're not – it was – Clearly, you know, interesting to watch because of the elements that night, despite even though it was on field turf. So, you know, it's not like we're totally losing the weather effect. I mean, that game was fascinating to watch with the weather and it was on field turf. So, you know, it's just not that big a deal.
4: No. And I, and I think, uh, you know, like you said, times have changed. And it's, yep. It's not, you know, yeah. I agree. I agree with that uh, wholeheartedly.
1: No brainer. No-brainer. NFL owners are meeting. Their annual meeting is in uh, March, as it is every year. And uh, all hands on deck. All the coaches are there, execs, league, team. I think they should get it done. Hopefully they will, and I'm guessing they will because they're just simply too smart not to. Uh, RG3 is a league asset as much as he is, if not more so, than a a redskin asset, but I'm sure – Roger Goodell and Dan Snyder would totally agree. Uh, let's play. On the- so, now that we've you know established some new rules and recommendations for the NFL to follow, let's take a closer look at some of the games. Uh, why don't we just start right off the bat? You yeah, Why don't we go in uh, you know chronological order, with uh, you know the first game of the of the day tomorrow of the weekend. <laughs> Again, awesome. Ravens. At Broncos, Ray Lewis, Peyton Manning should be fabulous. What are you? What are your thoughts on that one?
4: It could be fabulous. Uh, this is, this is either there are two two of the four games I think I think have blowout possibilities. I think this is one of them. I I, I love the Broncos in this game. I just they're they're clearly the hottest team in the NFL. They've won 11 straight games. Uh, Peyton Manning has won nine straight games against the Ravens. Um, and the Broncos are, are, are just throwing some numbers at you. Broncos are thirteen three all time at home in the playoffs, I and mean, that is a good, good, good home field, right? Uh, oh, the, the, awesome. they're Yeah, I mean, you you can't get much hotter than the Broncos are right now, and and I, I think the Ravens are just hitting into a buzzsaw out there. I really do. I think the Broncos are rested; they're ready. uh Peyton is having a, a spectacular uh, comeback season. You're on the on. Clearly on his way, in my mind, to an MVP season, and uh, I, I just I, I think this is a tough, tough spot for the Ravens. I really do, especially uh, a team that's had had some issues as far as consistency goes. Um, you know, Joe Flacco's been real good on the road as a playoff quarterback, four um, and four on the road in his career, second only to uh, Eli Manning's five road wins, but. Uh, I, I, again, I think it's a really, really tough spot for the Ravens. I think the, the Broncos are a, a really, I think the Broncos are a great team. I think the Broncos are going to be the Super Bowl. I think, uh, I think it's, I think this could get ugly. I really do.
1: And I agree. And plus, uh, I agree with everything you said. Plus, I believe that the Ra- Ravens had their, you know, emotional peak last Sunday, Ray Lewis's last game at home. They played well. They did, you know, they did what they needed to do. He had an excellent game. It was a great way to go out, a lot of emotion. And I, I, that's it. I I think they'll have nothing left emotionally. And Denver's just simply, in my mind, a much better team. Ravens sputtered down the stretch. And, uh, that's that. So tomorrow night's game, I mean, I guess if I had to step back and say, what game am I most excited for? (laughs) it, It is tomorrow night's game. Uh, I mentioned the 49ers a few minutes ago. Uh, that game is going to get physical. I, I, you know, I mean, I think for the 49ers to win, they have to out-physical the Packers. And I think that's exactly what they're going to do, plan to do, or try to do.
4: Yeah, uh, this, this, this is going to be a terrific game, I think. And, you know, yeah. as good as the Niners have been defensively, I mean, uh, you know, they, they've held, uh, opposing teams, uh, 17.1 points per game uh they're second in the league, uh third uh third in the league um yards per game for opponents, uh two hundred and ninety four I believe. Um that said, how can you bet against Aaron Rodgers in the playoff game? I mean it's just he's just he's he's been you know, uh, he and Peyton Manning are probably the hottest quarterbacks in the league right now. I'm I'm sure probably about Russell Wilson and always do, but I mean think about this. Last four games Aaron Rodgers thrown eleven touchdown passes, no picks. I mean He's, he's just been everything is advertised. You know, he's been he's been the player that he is, and the player that we've come to expect him to be. And uh, you know, the I best expect, player in football. I, yeah, I mean, I, I think he's the best the player in football. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And this is, yeah, right. yeah. I, I I think it's gonna be. I think he's gonna come out. I think the Packers will come out blazing. Um, I think they're gonna throw a lot of diff- different different things at the 49ers offensively, and. Uh, it's going to be a close game. Uh, now, here's the thing, too: when you look at close games uh, under Mike McCarthy, the Packers three points or fewer. How about this? Inside by the three points or fewer, Packers are a six and fifteen under Mike McCarthy. So, you know, uh, so conventional wisdom would tell you close game, go against the opposition. But you know, all that said, I, I, I think I think Aaron Rodgers is, is too good to go against in a spot like this. I expect to be a close game, and, and despite those numbers.
1: <laughs> I expect the Packers to win a close game against the 49ers. Yeah, yeah, that all makes sense. Let's not forget Aaron Rodgers is returning home to where he made his name in college, University of California, Golden Bears. And, uh, you know, there's just, again, a lot to, uh, you know, to get excited. But And I believe the Packers are, you know, are a physical match. And no way did I mean to imply that, you know, I think the 49ers are the most physical team in football, but the Packers are very physical in and of their own right, hence what I consider to be the best and potentially most physical game of the weekend. Uh, can't wait. That's going to be great. Uh, so moving on to Sunday, uh, very intriguing game, which is obviously the Seahawks, who are just if – the, if the Broncos are the hottest team in the league, the Seahawks are the second hottest – and fun to watch. Uh, Pete Carroll's done an amazing job, uh, which I'm loving, as since he re- resided in the very town I live in today outside Boston from when he was coach of the Patriots. I've interviewed him. I like him. And say what you want about Pete Carroll. He gets his teams, USC included, Seahawks today, enthusiastic. He gets them coming out of the tunnel and ready to just Play crazy, and they play crazy, and they and they're great, and uh, and obviously on the other side the Falcons, you know, uh, until they win a playoff game, nobody, nobody takes them even close to seriously, including me.
4: Yeah, you know, it's funny. I've of, of all the of, of all four games, this is the one that's been going back and forth the most about. Um, you know, yes, I mean, I think I, I agree with you that you know. When have, when have we? I mean, we've talked about this on the show previously, right? I mean, oh, yeah. when have you had when you've had a team uh, with as good a record as the Falcons have? You know, the top seed team in the NFC, thirteen and three this season. If it's possible for a team with that record to fly under the radar, the Falcons have done it. Because, like we say, we you know uh, they have not come gotten to that next level of winning a playoff game. Um, I mean, they've lost the last four playoff teams. they played 6-11, 6-11 all the time. Here's yep. one for you. If, they, if if they lose again on Sunday, that would make Matt Ryan 0-4 in his first playoff start. Uh, in the NFL, only one other quarterback in NFL history has done that, and that was Wyatt Tittle. So, oh. you know, that's kind of an ignominious uh, record there. Um, wow. But you talk about, we talked about Russell Wilson briefly before, um, you know, in his last four road games. He's thrown six touchdowns, no picks, okay? The NFC top seed uh, in the divisional round, they've lost four of the last five games. Uh, so yeah, the number's kind of going uh, against the Falcons that way. I don't know. Again, I've been going back and forth on this game. Uh, you know, the the, uh, the Seahawks doing a lot of traveling in the postseason so far. Uh, West Coast incoming East is always a tough spot for that one o'clock <laughs> Sunday game. But, you know, all that said... I, 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 I think I have to go with the Seahawks in this game. I really do. Pulling off the upset, Uh they've played so, they, they, as you mentioned. They've, they've they've been hot. They've been so good defensively. And, and Russell Wilson, you know, just 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 a a, a smidge below um, Andrew Luck and RG three uh, on the on the quarterback Q rating this year. He's had such a great season with the Seahawks. And um, you know, if not for if not for the other two quarterbacks, you know, he he, he would be looking. don't know i I, again i've been going back and forth on this but you know you're asking me right now at this particular second this particular day i'm i'm taking seattle in a very very
1: close game and i'm with you seattle strikes me as the team most on a mission as the team with that quote championship look i could see them winning the super bowl but let's move to the last game we're down to under a minute hard to believe barry uh Mm -hmm. where does the time go but Texans, Patriots, at the beginning of the show, I said quite simply, I will be at the game. It will not be a blowout like that Monday night game a few weeks back. Under a minute, what are your thoughts there?
4: Honestly, I think, it, I think this one could be another blowout. I think, I think again, you know, uh, the Patriots, uh, at home get a chance to rest. Uh, you know, Tom Brady has been so great in these situations. Um, you know, Houston defense. They held uh, the Bengals 0-9 on third downs last week. It's the first time that's happened in a game since 1988. But the you know, Patriots obviously are not the Cincinnati Bengals. A uh, much nope. better team, much tougher spot. Um, you know, the Texans have not really been that impressive since the stretch. We chronicle that on the show. Uh, again, a case of Patriots, the home team, the Patriots, just too good. Uh, bad spot for the Texans. Uh, I expect the Patriots to win. And this is another game that I think could get ugly.
1: Yes, and I think the Patriots will win. Don't misunderstand. I just think if the Texans have even a beat in their heart, it's not a blowout. I, I just simply think it will be what I'll call mildly competitive, where in the third quarter the game still will be, quote, in doubt. But, no, I, I totally expect the Patriots to win uh, soundly, if not handily, but in no way do I expect to blow out uh, you know, like what we saw three, four weeks ago or, or, and if there is, then, uh, the Texans need to, uh, blow it up because they, they were proven to be a team that is, uh, uh, dysfunctional in some regard, but Barry, hard to believe we're at the end of our time. Thank you. As always. Glad we had a chance to touch on all four games. going to be a great weekend.
4: My pleasure, John. It will be great. And food for next week. You know, if, if the, AFC games go to win and expect what a conference championship that game that would be, right? The, uh, Brady
1: Patriots. Manning, one more Patriots. time. The
4: Patriots. Yeah, Patriots heading out to Mile High uh, to face Peyton and the Broncos. That would be a tremendous football game. So just
1: kind of throwing that one out there. I'd love to say I'm rooting for it, except if the Ravens win tomorrow and the Patriots win, I'll be attending the AFC title game, which will be a rematch of last year's AFC championship game. Uh, there you go. Courtesy of Billy Cundiff. So. That's why I love this weekend. I'm a happy guy any way you cut it. It's just going to be fun to watch. And with that said, Voice America listeners, thank you for tuning in, and we'll look forward to doing it all again next week, Friday, 1 p.m. Eastern Time.
0: Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week.